0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Red Sox Hot Stove Edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We got several topics tonight. Uh, Red Sox made a bullpen acquisition. We have a bench coach now. We uh, witnessed the awesome signing of Jose Abreu by the Houston Astros, so We'll get into that, and then towards the end, we'll just give a couple quick takes on the Nathan Avoldi and Xander Bogarts situations. With me tonight, it's kind of an interesting crew. I don't think this uh, trio has ever recorded a show before, but Cody Paulson is with us. How are you doing, Cody?
1: Hey, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Happy to be here. I'm doing all right. Right. Not really a lot to, you know, talk about in terms of the stove. We got a couple of topics to discuss. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be talking baseball. So has like the like the insanity of the the Astros World Series kind of calmed down a little bit in Houston.
1: Yeah, you know, people are still pretty, pretty prideful. You get to see a lot more Astros gear than you would, I would say, normally, um, especially people, you know, you didn't really know where Astros fans are suddenly getting, you know, 2022 World Series champions gear. And you're like, oh, interesting. Didn't hear you talking about it, you know, back in April. But um, it, I mean, it's been good. It's always it's always fun to be in a city that uh, that wins a championship. You know, the energy, the buzz, uh, the life is is always a good place to be.
0: Is there more Astros gear than any other team or like are the Texans or the Rockets still, you know, king in that town?
1: Um, It's, it's definitely the Astros. And I think part of that is because of the six year run that they've been on. Right. Just their kind of uh, sustained greatness that they that they've had. Uh, I moved out here in 2019, so I kind of caught the tail end of of kind of Rockets fever. And, you know, the Texans haven't been good for for a while, but you'll still see you know, their gear on their specific game days, right? Like if you're out and about on a Sunday, people are going to be sporting their Texans stuff. Um, and during the regular year, you know, the Rockets, I would think probably up until the last couple of years have had the coolest gear uh, compared to to the Texans and the Astros. I know the Astros have gotten a lot of, you know, Space City and City Connect stuff, um, you know, through Nike and, and through the MLB, but consistently the Rockets have been the coolest plus their retro stuff. Uh, so you'll see more of that than you'll see traditional up-to-date Rockets gear.
0: Gotcha. Also with us tonight, Mark Rollins. How are you, Mark? Doing
2: well. I'm I'm shocked people aren't supporting their Brandon Cooks jerseys all over town. Uh, you know, the Texans are such a powerhouse franchise. Yeah, big game against former nasty man quarterback coming up this week. So, you know, I'm I'm shocked people aren't all gung-ho about the one-win Texans. But uh <laughs> it, you know, I yeah, they should they should support their uh World Series franchise, and by the way, I it might be a hot take. I think the Astros have one of the coolest looks in sports. I've always been a fan of the Astros look. Even when they went to like the blue and gold when Randy Johnson was there for a month and a half in the 90s, I thought that was cool. I liked the red and gold stuff. I love that red hat with the gold star on. Astros have always had a great look. I people hate their throwbacks for whatever reason with like the, the rainbow sort of thing with the yellow, the orange, the red, it's so clean. Oh, I love them. They bring me all the throwback Astros stuff.
0: I do like the that. The throwback stuff is awesome. It's so clean. And I think their regular home and away uniforms are are nice looking. You know, one of the better uniforms, I would say.
2: I, I do enjoy this look. Like once I went back to the blue and orange, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just because I'm a Syracuse best, like a Syracuse native and a Syracuse fan, and those are our colors. So I'm just like, I see blue and orange. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Um, but I, I've always loved that
0: look. Gotcha. Yeah. So I had an interesting week. Um, I managed to get fired from the same job twice.
1: <laughs> Is this like a, a Friday situation? Are you ice cube?
0: Am I what?
1: <laughs> Are you Ice Cube to get fired on your day off?
0: No, no, it was. Uh, and that—that's the other hilarious thing is that it, it was last week technically, and it was only a three-day work week. <laughs> so, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. Once Even it's no, it's all good. It's really fine. Um, but yeah, on Monday, and then at the very end of the day, he changed his mind and was like. We had a conversation. It wasn't a great conversation, but it was like way civiler than earlier in the day. So I came back and uh, worked Tuesday and then I worked uh, Wednesday. But there was there was really no recovering from from Monday. You know, it was just inevitable after that. And I I'm not going to lie. I do run my mouth. And, um, you know, the older I get, the more unhinged I get, you know, or I should say off the cuff that I get is what I should say, the more candid and, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'd only been fired one other time in my whole life though. So, so it's kind of interesting to do it twice in a week. That's kind of, I don't know. It, it was hilarious for, uh, those closest to me.
2: Bigger man than I, than uh for being willing to go back to work on tuesday after being fired once on monday if he was <laughs> like you know what i changed my mind i i give given you know give him one of these i just did the universal sign for up yours by the way listeners um i'd give him one of those and be like no i'm out of here it, it, see you later it, it, you already fired me what are you it, you're gonna change your mind
0: Well, I mean, I'm pretty self-aware. I know I do have somewhat of a difficult personality. That doesn't play out so much with you guys. I mean, you see my tweets and I do play patty cakes with the followers and all that and the haters, you know, so you guys see that. But but I mean, behind the scenes here, I'm very much a collaborator. I'm willing to run with most things. and And so that's here. And then there's, you know, real life Terry at work, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm very self-aware, but it was, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting week. So like in the short term, like maybe like three to six months, I think I'm just going to do the Uber thing. And Myrtle's a great area to do that. They're like 29% above the national average and I can mm-hmm. be my own boss for once. And and But the, the big thing is, is that it affords me to wait for the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I moved down here, my mortgage, not that expensive. My car payment, not that expensive. And like no credit card debt and my expenses are just low. So I came down here to live like an easy life. And uh, yeah, so I just wish, you know, my life would drastically improve if the Red Sox would do some stuff that I like. And unfortunately, this next topic, um, which will be the first uh, baseball topic, not the sexiest of moves they signed uh I don't is it Joelly Rodriguez or Jolie? Um it's, I've heard both. Yeah, I, right. It's I, he, he's obviously I, Hispanic I so I don't know I how I thought it
2: was I thought it was Joely,
0: Joely? okay. I I just don't know what the the native uh pronunciation is. Americans love to botch things so uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get to know uh plenty there so didn't have a great year last year with the Mats uh pitched uh just over 50 inning or no 55 innings 50 and a third 50 and a third 50 appearance 55 appearances my bad mm-hmm. 447 era um walked 26 struck out uh 57 he did have a pretty good 2021 with the Yankees if I uh, remember right I'm not seeing those stats here but um so his deal is a one year deal and then he's got an option uh for a second year and uh where the hell this is what happens when you don't take notes um I'm just trying to get the dollar amount but I'll grab that in a second but uh, Mark, it's 2 million. Oh, is it 2 million? Okay. And he does have, um, incentives in there for, uh, 30, 60, 90, and 120 days on the roster. If he meets all of those benchmarks, he gets an extra half a million for each one. So if he's getting 2 million, that would max him out at, uh, 4 million. Yep. And I want, I don't quote me, but I, I think his option, uh, for year two is right around uh, four million, and he does have a—he's um, got a five hundred thousand dollars buyout on that. So, with all of that said, Mark, how do you like it? I mean, talk about a snooze fest.
2: Listen, hey, Joey Rodriguez is a fine relief pitcher. He, he's absolutely fine. For a lefty coming out of the bullpen, he'll strike guys out. He had a full season career high in strikeouts per nine this year with 10.2, which, hey, pretty solid, striking out more than a batter per inning. Also had a career high, or uh, not a career high, his second highest walks per nine total. He walked 4.6 guys per nine innings. So he's a little wild. He'll strike some guys out, but then he'll walk some guys. His ERA this past year was 4.47. FIP was significantly lower, 3-2-3, but that's what happens when you strike a lot of guys out. The FIP goes down. So, ERA, fairly high. FIP, respectable, not great. He's just been mediocre. And, yeah, he was good when he went to the Yankees last year. In 19 innings, he had a 2-8 ERA. Before that, when he was on Texas, in 27 innings, he had a 5-9-3 ERA. So he's had one good half a season in recent memory. He had one good uh, brief appearance in 2020 for the Rangers as well. In 12 and two-thirds innings, he had a two ERA. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, it, there's nothing exciting here. He's 30 years old. It's just another mediocre reliever for the Red Sox to put in the bullpen. I don't remember. Someone in the group chat was like, if we add Kenley Jansen, you know, that takes this Red Sox bullpen from decent to good. I don't see how anyone can say this Red Sox bullpen is
0: decent right now. Like, even with Jansen. Even
2: if you add Jansen, it takes them from mediocre to decent, not from decent to good. Like, they're mediocre right now, still, even with this signing. Great. You got a left handed sixth inning guy. That's what. The Red Sox bullpen woes were last season. <laughs> it it doesn't really solve much, in my opinion. Maybe he'll show up in 35 games and be reasonable. Maybe he'll spend some time in Worcester. That's about all I got on this. I've, I'm not super high on him. I think he's me, I think he's mediocre. It's some depth, which is cool. Two million dollars, whatever. That's pocket change in Major League Baseball. So cheap deal one-year deal we'll see if he's around for the option after
1: but whatever
0: cody thoughts on the acquisition
1: mark made a lot of great points uh he mentioned you know the the FIP. he's got a concerning whip um i feel like i'm just rhyming at this point uh he's got a reasonably high home run per nine total coming in right around uh nine but obviously as a reliever that's that's a little bit different but like Mark said, right? I mean, it's it's one and a half million for one year if he makes enough appearances, and you're you're putting a little bit more resources to him. But at this point, we don't have a lefty in the bullpen. We have Josh Taylor, allegedly. I mean, I haven't seen him since who knows when. So if you can if you can find somebody that's had success in the AL East for a reasonably cheap number, you know, maybe our development team can can see something that they like, make a tweak, make an adjustment, get them, you know, back to that one magical half a season that he had, it's worth the risk just to say we do have a lefty so that, you know, when we get into the late innings, they can't just stack uh, left-handed bats against us and and put us in an even worse position with this beleaguered bullpen. Um, You know, wasn't thrilled with what we were rolling out there last year. A new guy maybe just needs to change the scenery. Who knows, right? Uh, Can't really be worse than what we were watching last year. So for one and a half, um, I'm down to give it a shot.
0: So to me, what this looks like is adios, Matt Strom, who was mostly decent last year, had some injuries, a couple brief rough patches, but um, Strom's going to cost you know probably in the neighborhood of three to five million wherever he goes, and you're going to get um, Rodriguez at you know, four million, so it's a cost controlled thing. Apparently what the Red Sox liked about him is he holds his opponents to a 85.3 mile an hour exit velocity. So that's pretty good. I mean when you're seeing Giancarlo Stanton have an exit velocity of right around 120. Not saying he wouldn't do it against Rodriguez, but But that's a metric, obviously, that's attractive to front offices. And uh, Rodriguez also had a a 54.3% ground ball rate. So, again, keeping the ball in the park. You know, it's, it's a flyer, in my opinion. It's another risky guy in a bullpen full of risky guys. I was trying to look up to see how many minor league innings uh, Josh Taylor had last year. Um, that probably wouldn't include rehab appearances. I'm not sure. But uh, he is the only lefty in there. Uh, Darwins and Hernandez is on the um, you know, the 40-man. I wonder if his spot is in danger at all uh, if other acquisitions were to be made. You do have guys on there like uh, Caleb Ort who probably... Could easily get bounced. Just looking down through it. Uh, Those are the two that look the most vulnerable to me. I'm not familiar with Chris Murphy, but wasn't he kind of making some waves last year or no? I remember the name being tossed
2: around. Maybe it was just from working games for the Syracuse Mets playing Worcester or something, but I I remember hearing the name.
0: 24 years old, um, but yeah. He's uh, also a lefty as well, so I guess that should be noted. Uh, But not an impressive uh, acquisition. Uh, If Kenley Jansen gets picked up, I guess that kind of gets your attention. I I would have concerns. He is 35 years old. He does have a history of heart problems. I think he's had two surgeries, if I'm not mistaken, including one uh, Mm -hmm. just a few years ago. Um, having said that, he has pitched pretty well the last couple of seasons, and yeah, he's 35, like I said, so Bloom just, I don't know if he's just got an old player fetish or something. I i don't know. Paxton's up there, Rich Hill, um, obviously, you know, basically the oldest player in MLB. I, I think I'm forgetting one more in there, but oh, Brazier's 35, my bad, so yeah, we, we've got some... Uh, We've got some age on our pitching staff, uh, rotation and bullpen, but yeah. So we'll see. I think we need what? At least two more arms, quality arms, at least (laughs) minimum. Like, listen, John, John
2: Schreiber had a great three quarters of the season last year. Relief pitching is the most volatile position in sports, not in baseball, in sports, you can't just – a bullpen that was bad last year, you can't just be like, maybe it'll be good this time. It's it's not how it works. That's that's why Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman's and Craig Kimbrell for a long time was that guy. Roldis Chapman for a long time was that guy. That's why those guys are so rare. And I just named two guys that five years ago were on the Hall of Fame highway and now – will be lucky to find a roster to be on next year. And they're not even, you know, 38 yet. Excuse me, yet. You know, these guys are still in what should be the prime of a relief pitcher's career. That's the thing with relief pitching. You don't put a ton of innings on your arm. You can throw for a very long time. It's the most volatile position in sports. Who knows? John Schreiber might have a six and a half ERA this year. I don't think he will, but he very easily could just with the nature of the position. So it at least two, if not three or four arms, is what would make this Red Sox bullpen passable.
0: I couldn't agree more. If Whitlock gets off to a rough start, and let's say May 15th comes along and he's just he's got a five something ERA in the rotation and just not looking good. Do you think they'll be stubborn enough to keep him in the rotation, or will they admit they're wrong and then kind of put him back in the bullpen, which probably is going to need some stability by that point, and then roll forward with that?
1: I mean, you gotta hope that they're not that stubborn. I know it took them a little bit longer to get there this year, um, but you know, I think hopefully they can look at what happened this year as an example and a reason to get them back into the bullpen if he is scuffling or you know can't get through that lineup the third time. Um, especially you know if we don't make any other uh, substantial bolstering moves uh, the remainder of the offseason, which you know if if we don't make any other moves, that's a that's a huge fail. But that's another topic,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, in some capacity, Brian Mata could, although I think he's going to be stretched out as a starter, so I don't know if he would be considered as a second half of the year option. He's going to be a starter. Yeah, so perhaps he won't be looked at as a bullpen uh, addition later on. Uh, All right, so uh, enough of Joely Rodriguez. Uh, another interesting tidbit: This happening within the last uh, forty, uh, excuse me, twenty four hours. Ramon Vasquez uh, has now been announced as the new bench coach. I don't know if we covered it on our previous show, but Will Venable has uh, taken a job in Texas. I forget what his exact role is, but
2: associate manager.
0: Oh yeah, and we still don't know what the definition of that is. It's a bench coach. Oh, that's what they're calling it. it, it
2: a bench coach is an associate manager. It's the guy that takes over when they... the manager is ejected. <sighs> so I'm assuming that's what Will Venable is gonna be in Texas.
0: Why do they have to change the name? Like I just that it, to that of all things. It sounds
2: like a promotion. It my only, only thought process behind it is maybe Bruce Bochy is like, hey, you know, there's a chance I missed 30 games. You know, I'm getting (laughs) up there. All right. You know, like I might have to have surgery in May and he's going to be the guy to take over. Like, you know, that could be something. He is Bruce Bochy has had health problems in the past. He's had heart issues. So maybe it's just like an insurance policy. And Venable didn't think he'd get an actual manager job, which he didn't. Um, So that could be it. But that's the only reason I could think of that it would be titled associate manager instead of bench coach, because it's basically a bench coach.
0: Do you think he was like on the phone with them and was like, listen, I'll uh, I'll take the job, but you got to change the name of it? (laughs) You know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah or i you know if i were him i would have wanted it to be called the executive bench coach of the uh you know Texas Rangers another thing you you mentioned bochi and he doesn't look like a healthy guy and francona mid 60s he not you healthy
2: can, you can look at bochi but he was playing for the padres back in the 80s you look at him and you're like that's a sickly man <laughs> so
0: I, I'm just surprised he took that job of all places, you know, because there's work to be done to get them competitive. and um, being a manager is a grind, and we saw La Russa, who's 10 years older but probably w- looked to be in better shape even still, and he ended up having uh, heart problems, which uh, led to him par- partially at least led to him not coming back. They might not have no, anyway, but
2: it, it's because he was bad at his job.
0: Yeah, lots of he. I mean, he not not that he didn't deserve it, but he took tons of uh, criticism from that press corps out there. And uh, yeah, as he should
2: have. He was it, it, Tony Larusa is a Hall of Famer. He is a man, one of the great managers in the history of baseball. The game has passed him by. It happens. You're damn near eighty, Tony. All right. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. It just happens.
0: Gets uh well. Never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, rag on him. But yeah. So um, so Vasquez has, has. You know he's no stranger to the organization. He's been a coach basically for parts of the last four or five years. He was also the first base coach in 2022 because Tom Goodwin. Didn't want to take the vaccine. You know, Vasquez was vaccinated. He becomes the bench coach and uh, was managing a Puerto Rican winter team, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So lots of uh, ties to to Alex Cora. And the interesting thing here is this. I would say there's a 50% chance. Vazquez Vasquez could be the manager by, I don't know, late July, something like that. If core were to get tossed in season.
2: I don't, I don't think they would toss core in season. I just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the, the Red Sox relationship with Alex core is very strange, but I, 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 don't think they would fire him mid season. Um, ownership seems fairly behind the guy, same with the front office. So I I don't know if I could see that happening. Uh, Another tie uh, between Ramon Vasquez and Alex Cora. I was doing a little research on Mr. Vasquez. They were traded for each other.
0: They were. I I (laughs) didn't see that. (laughs) Um, 2005.
2: uh, He was traded. Vasquez was traded by the Red Sox to the Cleveland uh, team.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> the Cleveland Indians, well, you can say yeah, that's what they yeah, were. No, back they then. were the
2: Indians at the time. I was just joking, but he was traded to the Indians at the time for Alex Cora straight up. Uh, he was also traded for Dave Roberts. Um, oh, <laughs> that's how he got to the Red Sox, was he, he was traded by the Padres with David Pauly and Jay Payton, which was a name I had not thought about in a very long time. Um, the three of them were traded to the Red Sox for Dave Roberts, and that's how he ended up on the Padres, which he ended up coaching at, and then, of course, before becoming the Dodgers manager. Um, so deep ties with the Red Sox or- organization for Ramon Vasquez. I-, I think it's a fine hire. The guy know- He knows the guys. He's young. He's only 46 years old. So, you know, young with experience. Seems to be well-liked in the clubhouse. They wouldn't have promoted him if he wasn't. Uh, you know, multilingual is always a good thing for these higher-up positions in a locker room, manager, bench coach, whatever it may be. So I I like the promotion. I'm you know, a little venable, whatever. I personally don't think bench coach really matters all that much. This could just be the fact that I never played Major League Baseball, and I don't know. Um, But it doesn't seem like a bench coach has that huge of an impact. It's just a guy that, you know, the players like and the organization likes. Young, smart. I'll take it. Fine.
0: Cody, any thoughts? Uh, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, consistency is key at this level, right? You know, seeing the same guys in the locker rooms, not getting the shakeups, obviously, you know, the trade last year with, um, Vasquez and then hearing, you know, the team kind of crumble when P- Ploiecki was sent on his way. makes you uh, wonder if that was part of the reason, um, you know, uh, that he, he got this bump up, uh, in, into bench coach, I wonder what it says about Veritech. You know, uh, that was kind of a popular name that people were throwing around. People wanted to see kind of put into that role. Is it something that, you know, he personally felt he wasn't ready for, or is this somebody, you know, that we, we overlooked uh, time will tell, but as, as Mark mentioned, you know, there's again, also have not played major league baseball would have loved to have the opportunity, but you know, what does a bench coach really do? Right. Everything kind of falls under the manager and, and the rest of it is just kind of people that fall in line. So um, I don't have any egregious takes against him. So, you know, we'll, we'll call it a fine promotion.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with the, the role of the bench coach. I, I guess, you know, as the audience knows, my biggest complaint on Alex Cora um, is that I feel like he's a little bit soft in terms of managing the guys, I think he he needs to get tougher and buckle down and and maybe put a little bit of pressure on them in certain situations, Um, you know, and that speaks to, like, accountability as well. Um, John Farrell was, like, way extreme in that direction, so that that wasn't good either. He lost the clubhouse, but ideally, you know, I'd like to see somebody closer to the middle of those two, so I, I don't know, obviously... Ramon Vasquez well enough to know what his style is. But I I wouldn't mind having a tougher voice, uh, you know, in the clubhouse. But Cora is facing the most pressure he's ever faced. So maybe perhaps this season, maybe he will be a little bit tougher. Um, so I, I guess I just don't have uh, strong feelings one way or the other here. I did sarcastically tweet out that the Red Sox haven't been the same since Ron Reneke, you know, was the bench coach. 100?
2: Yeah, I saw that, and I was just like, are, are we really are we really discussing uh, bench coaches? <laughs> I know it's been a little bit slow of an offseason. Hey, listen, man, we could talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Those ballots are out, and it, people are voting, and voting for Alex Rodriguez and not Manny Ramirez, which is just an ideology that I will never understand. I saw that on ballot earlier. Well, if you're going to vote for one steroid guy, might as well vote for them all. But.
0: Well, on Reneke, 108 wins. No bench coach has ever won more. I don't think. Um, and uh, that that, with, can't, that can't be true. No, the, I mean, well, on the Red Sox, have they? That's what I meant. Well, like in, in organization, franchise history. I mean, yeah, oh, I, I was being facetious. That it, it had nothing to do with that. I, mean, I was going to um, say the
2: old one. Mariners certainly had a bench coach. Oh yeah, in sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, I, I know. I, I misspoke. <laughs> Um, And then, um, interestingly, though, since you brought it up, the what do they call it? The Veterans Committee is going to be possibly putting Barry Bonds in this weekend.
2: Today's era committee is this one. So that's like the most modern period of baseball. They now have three or four veterans committees for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, The Today's Era Committee is voting this weekend. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all the ones that we just recently saw fall off the ballot are now back on this one. This will only be discussed once every four years. So this is the first time for the next four years that we'll see those guys back on the ballot. I don't see them getting in this time around. Bonds and Clemens will be Baseball Hall of Famers. I will die on that hill. Yes, they will be. So which committee is going to put them in? It'll be the Today's Era Committee just a few years down the line. Oh, um, they can no longer be voted in by the writers. If I had to guess at who the Today's Era Committee is going to put in, which historically I've not been very good at because they put Jack Morris and Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, and I was like, What the hell? Uh, I'd say Fred McGriff, namely because three of the people on the committee were members of the
0: 90s Braves. Um, <laughs> and there's so, 12, right? Is that am I accurate on that? 12.
2: Yeah, I think it's 12 former players for for current-slash-former executives. I say current-slash-former because Theo is one of them. Um, Kim Ng, the GM from the Marlins, is one of them. So, like, there's former players, executives, and then two, like, just old farts that they just throw on the committee. Okay. Uh, But it's different from the writer's ballot. The writer's ballot will be announced in January. This is just a little... Little teaser.
0: All right. And Schilling has no chance. I mean, he's the Red Sox guy that's eligible. Schilling will also get in the Hall of Fame eventually. You think so? Okay.
2: Yeah. It, Kurt Schilling is absolutely a Hall of Fame. He when he retired, he had the greatest strikeout to walk ratio in the history of baseball.
0: That's when I, I think he is. But, and he's a conservative i'm a conservative i'll admit he's way more far right wing than than i'll ever be
2: not a good man yeah (laughs) like kurt Schilling, bad guy is a member of the media that he says should be lynched i'm throwing it out there kurt Schilling, not a good dude he was a hell of a ball player
0: and he he's blocked me on twitter by the way i can't see his tweets on my primary account um but I 1000% believe he's uh, a Hall of Famer. His bloody sock is an exhibit in uh, Cooper's Town. Fun fact, it is. but I've seen it many times. I Have you? Yeah. Yeah. So Andrew's the prospect guy, Mark's the uh, Hall of Fame guy on our I crew. Am. Yeah. The resident one. All right. Um, I just want to play devil's advocate on one thing. When you say Bonds and Clemens will definitely get in, um, I just look at the reaction. The Padres gave Fernando Tatis, so I'm not sure younger is necessarily better in terms of of bringing these guys on. The the thing them, is, guess.
2: yeah, the thing is, and it might not be this year, won't be next or next time around. It will get to the point where the committee voting on the today's era that group of players is guys like Mike Piazza, like Jeff Bagwell like Yvonne Rodriguez, true peers of Barry Bonds during that era. The three guys I just named heavily linked to steroids, pudge appearing in the Mitchell report. Like, you know, these guys, David Ortiz named in the Mitchell report. I'm not going to sit here and call Poppy a cheater. No, no, he wasn't.
0: I don't think he was.
2: He was David Ortiz was named in the Mitchell report. No,
0: He was on the the anonymous list. That's all he was. I think that was the Mitchell report. I think, I swear the, well, that's a they, different list. The this one was no. This one was released to, by some paper that wasn't even supposed to be talked about. The Mitchell Report was highly publicized. Yes, the, but the Mitchell
2: Report started as anonymous drug testing.
0: Okay. The
2: Mitchell Report was supposed to be anonymous, but then it wasn't, and that's what made it such a big deal.
0: Okay, uh, you might, so, you're probably
2: right. So, but even if it was a different list was an anonymous drug test list that said he failed a drug test yada 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 david ortiz has always been linked to steroids because of it
0: and i think he was and And probably i'm i'm the only guy on the crew that's a hardcore no well maybe charlie is i can't remember um on letting these guys in but we won't get into that debate
2: yeah but eventually those will be the guys on the committee
0: and they're gonna be like
2: yeah it's the all-time home run leader and the guy that's third all time in strikeouts. Of course they're Hall of Fame. And the argument for both has always been, look at their numbers before either of them, you know, hit the needle. And yeah, both of them were already first ballot in our circle Hall of Famers. Bonds was already a three-time MVP before he gained 150 pounds. Like, he had 400 home runs and 300 stolen bases already. It was like, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer. So they will get in. I, I have no doubt in my mind that at some point, it might, it might be 80 years down the line, but at some point, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens will be in trying it in, in the baseball hall of fame.
0: Right. And, um, one other thing I meant to bring up, cause you mentioned, you know, a rod versus Manny and why it's hilarious, but Manny beat his wife, a rod, a rod. I, I always forget about that. Yeah. I don't know. That's just one thing. It was at the end, but still it's not a good look. And uh, it, you know we should put Ben Affleck in the Hall of Fame though. For <laughs> never mind. <laughs> he he married J Rod at uh, J Rod J Lo instead of uh, a Rod. Y- yes, J-Rod. I'm aware. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, weird stuff happens in today's world. Um, all right. So I did not think. Uh, I don't have a hall of fame written anywhere on my uh, docket list. And we uh, gave some lengthy takes on that. Um, so freestyling at its finest. So where are we at minutes wise? 36 minutes. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Try to cap it at an hour. So, all right. And here's, I'm going to, I'm going to open up the take on this one. Astros sign. Jose Abreu, who was a popular Red Sox target amongst people on Twitter. Uh, I was kind of, you know, I could go one way or the other with him. I, you know, I think at this point he certainly does have more upside than J.D. Martinez. He got a three-year $60 million deal. So that's an average annual value of $20 million per year. And uh, so it's another Red Sox guy off the board and it's he's signed to a team that just continually makes outstanding signings. And I don't think they're worried about his age because they've had Yuli Guriel who's 38 years old. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that until the playoffs. I'm like, holy crap and I get it. He's from Cuba. It's a hard thing for them to get in the league they got a defect that's risky 32
2: years old when he came over yeah
0: yeah so it makes sense that he's 38 but he doesn't play like he's 38 doesn't look 38 and um but anyway so i don't know what yuli's future is if he even has one with houston but um jose abreu is over there i'm not sure if he'll slot in at dh i know they like to use alvarez there uh periodically so Maybe they'll, they'll rotate uh, in between playing the field, but like I said, I'm just so sick of there's no excuse for the Astros to make these really good, really affordable, harmless signings, and the Red Sox do nothing. I mean, Michael Brantley was a guy I was a huge fan of that I would have loved to have had in Boston, and he was always signed to these really affordable contracts, and the Astros do it all the time. And I think they they traded for Josh Reddick initially and then maybe signed him to a short-term deal after that. But that was another one uh, that worked out pretty well for them. Um, it's just – and, the, the, you know, they do it with pitchers every now and then. You know, Verlander's always been on a relatively short-term deal uh, since being there. And it's just so frustrating. We get these trash signings in Boston – And Houston just does a great job, and this is their – I mean, they they had Jeffrey Lunau, who was uh, one of the biggest scumbags in the history of the league, but to his credit, still a very smart GM. Uh, Click did – some good things while he was there and so now this is like the third phase of the dynasty that we're seeing which apparently is headed up by the owner jim crane i, I think his minions in the front office though are behind a lot of these types of signings guessing mark's disagreeing with me a little bit but it, it's not disagreement i saw what
2: jim crane was doing described i believe by jeff Passen as he wants to be jerry jones Oh, he does. Uh, Yeah. Which if, if that's the case, then I 100% believe that he's just sitting across the table from Jose Abreu and is like, I own this team. You will sign this contract.
0: Well, I, I guess what I should have said is I think he's still heavily influenced by the, the people in the front office. He's got three yeah, assistant probably. GMs. yeah. So I, I think this, they just went to him and said, this is a guy that you, you should be interested in. Now, did Crane overpay a little bit? You, you, I'm sure there are people on social media right now making that argument for, I think, Abreu might be 36 at this point. He's, he's up there, but um, certainly hasn't sure. declined at all. Yeah, it turns 36 in January, I believe. In January, correct. So he's a year older than J.D. But, Mark, officially, what are your thoughts? It's it's a
2: really good signing. I, I know Jose had a down year this year in terms of the power numbers, only had 15 home runs and 75 RBIs. Uh, there's still plenty of bat speed there. I'm not worried about that at all. He was still hitting the ball plenty hard enough in Chicago this past season. This is a guy that is a perennial 30 and a hundred guy like you at the start of the season you can place a bet on jose abreu to hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 runners and it cashes year in and year out so this guy's gonna hit sixth in their lineup and be paid 20 million dollars a year yeah maybe he only hits 25 and drives in ninety. Sixth in the lineup playing halfway decent first base Third year, whatever, you know, to, teams probably offered him two. I saw Cleveland also offered him three years. It was probably for less money. But it's just like, yeah, that's what you do for a guy like this. Former MVP, you know, if he came over before he was 27, would have a very interesting Cooperstown case. And he's just a stud, He's always been a stud, always will be a stud, went under the radar for years in Chicago for the Lord knows what reason. I think it's a really good signing by a really well-run organization, just top to bottom in an organization that knows what they're doing and knows how to get guys like this. It it makes that team even scarier. Because now instead of Yuli Guriel, who had like 220 last year, they have a guy that they can take to the bank is going to hit 285 with 20 home runs. Guriao was never a power guy anyway. You know, he he'd hit 290 but it'd be with 12 home runs and 65 RBIs. He's a better first baseman, sure, but it's just adding that into that lineup with Jordan and Altuve and Bregman and uh Kyle Tucker, it's just brutal.
0: Absolutely brutal. And if I'm not mistaken, and, and in fact, I know I'm not, um, the Red Sox were actually runners up in the Jose Abreu Street sweepstakes. And the response to that was we went hard after um, Ruzney Castillo, who was the next big Cuban guy after him. And <laughs> we. Well, Lost he ended up time. being
2: three years older and 20 pounds heavier than I thought he was. <laughs> that, that was just, you know, one of those things. It's like, yeah, this guy's 26 years old and he comes over. It's like, wait, he's 29. What? How'd you mess that up? Like, yeah, but that was, that, that
0: was the knee jerk reaction. Let's go after the next big guy. And mm-hmm. and then we got Moncada after that as well. Uh, also from Cuba and, um, I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other, but you know he he isn't he didn't end up being the guy that he was hyped up to be. But mm-hmm. but uh, Cody, go ahead. Thoughts on uh, Abreu going to Houston?
1: The rich get richer, right? Mark talked about it. You know, to have Abreu hit sixth in that lineup, you're no longer having him bat third, having him to carry the entire offense bat in an unprotected. Uh, spot, right? You know, when you're a well-run organization that can develop talent, that can do these, um, you know, free agent signings that are going well, you know, that third um, aspect of, of a dynasty building, y- you can take these, we'll call them, quote-unquote, risks, right? You know, everything that we've talked about for the Red Sox offseason has been, well, is it at the right price? Can we afford to do that? We have, you know, so many holes that we need to f- fill, and but only so many uh, resources that we can allocate to it. With three for 60 have looked as good uh, on the Red Sox, I don't know if it looks the same, but because you're not necessarily requiring so much out of a guy that's going into the back half of his 30s, this deal looks a lot better. You're immediately upgrading your lineup, you're deepening. Um, you know, how many hitters can really do damage to you in the postseason? Um, you know, as, as a team that <laughs> currently doesn't have the machine running, uh, I'm quite jealous and you know, it is it is a strong um, signing. And he, I mean, even though he didn't get as many home runs last year, he kind of had a cold start in April, he still hit 40 doubles. Like, doubles play regardless, even if you're not uh, leaving the yard.
0: Well, at least we have Eric Hosmer, right? <laughs> I'm still convinced he's getting traded just because we have a million lefties on the roster. But... Um... Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Astros uh do. I guess since we're we're on that team, there doesn't seem to be a ton of motivation at least as far as what we can see in bringing back Justin Verlander. Uh he's had a meeting with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think he has one coming up this week against uh not against uh with the, the New York Yankees. So he's got a pretty robust market. I did see some Mets rumors as well. Uh, I'm not sure if he's meeting with them or not, but there's some interest there. It's pretty quiet in Houston, and they don't really need him necessarily. I mean, they've got Valdez. They've got um, Christian Javier, who was an absolute stud uh, in the postseason and, and had a pretty good season. Overall, Luis Garcia is a very serviceable middle of the rotation guy. Um, I think McCullers uh, is still healthy. Didn't look great in the postseason, but had a very good uh, regular season. So that's not that that rotation is far and away better than what we have, just with those names alone. And um, don't necessarily need to, you know, unload the Brinks truck for a guy like Verlander, but. Um, just uh really uh really an impressive organization to the LCS at least six times to the World Series uh three times winning it twice. Let me ask you guys this before we move on to a couple of Red Sox names to wrap the show. If the Astros win the twenty nineteen World Series against the Nationals, which went all seven games, mm-hmm the Astros just needed to win either 6 or 7 that's how big of a choke it ended up being and neither team won a home game that world series which was also yeah. insane it was always the road team that won all 7 mm-hmm. games but if they do win that world series so that would have that would be 3 out of the last 6 years is that dynasty more impressive than the Yankees one that won 4 in i think 5 years was it 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 was but no You don't think so?
2: Okay.
1: I mean they they won three in a row, didn't they?
2: Yes, they won three in a row and then it took a year off because they lost to the Marlins and then won again in ninety eight. Um Yeah, no. It's just
0: Or I think you got it wrong. They won in ninety six, didn't win it in ninety seven, then won three in a row. They
2: won they lost to Cleveland in the uh in the ALCS. The Marlins beat Cleveland in ninety seven. That's what it was. Um but yeah, I mean, the Astros are looked at like the 2010s Giants, which people love to forget is a dynasty that happened when the Giants won three World Series in five years. And for some reason, the entire baseball world just ignores that that's a thing that happened.
0: <laughs> it is a um, thing,
2: yeah. Like, it. Tim Lincecum was the best pitcher on the planet for three years, and Madison Bumgarner made Kirk Schilling look like a whiny baby in terms of postseason performances because he was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to throw a complete game and then go back out two days later and throw six innings out of the bullpen. Like, it was just ridiculous. And Pablo things.
0: Sandoval was like the most clutch hitter, you know, in a couple yeah, he of had those. Three
2: home, he had three home runs in a game, two of them coming off of Justin Verlander oh. the
0: year after he won MVP. Game one like, of that World Series, it, yeah.
2: Like, it's, so it'll be looked at like that, which is like, well, is it a dynasty? They never won back to, but yes, they won three in five years. Like, but it would have, would have been talked about as like, is it really a dynasty? People don't call the Astros a dynasty now, really. I think There's it like, is. Look, I think it is too, but people just look at it it's like, wow, look how good this team has been for six years. It's like, yeah, of course, they're, <laughs> They're playing for a pennant every single year. It should be considered a dynasty, but you're not unless you win,
0: you know, all the rings. So did any of those, I'll try to look it up right now. Did any of those Giants teams in the, in the three years, it was 2010, 2012, 2014. Mm -hmm. Did they ever win 90 or more games? Uh, 2012,
2: I believe they did 2010 and 2014. I believe they won like 89.
0: Okay, let's have a look here. I got it right here. Yep, yeah, 94. So you are right. That is 2012. I want to say they were more mid-80s if I'm not mistaken. I got 2010 right here. No, 92. All right. So oh, okay. screw me. All right. I thought I just always thought they underachieved in the in the regular season and then got got hot. It was that Bruce Bochy magic in the uh in the playoffs and they would just play for him and uh yeah okay so better than I thought and you know perhaps maybe there's a bit of a West Coast bias I don't know if that hurts him or East Coast bias but yeah uh, all right so according to WEEI's Rob Bradford Nathan Avaldi is expected to sign before the winter meetings. Not hearing a lot of Red Sox buzz uh, lately. He did reject the qualifying offer and then rejected a multi-year deal. So, Mark, what are your thoughts? You better hurry up. That's this weekend. (laughs) Pretty sure the winter meetings start on, like, Friday, don't they? No, I thought it was uh, next week.
2: Oh, I could be wrong. I thought they started this weekend. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, it happens. I would have liked to see Nate, you know, back on a reasonable contract. If he signs elsewhere, he signs elsewhere. Um, You know, I would have been fine with him accepting the qualifying offer. I said that on this very program. Uh, But Nate shouldn't be our top target, you know, even in the pitching market. It should be Carlos Rodon or Justin Verlander, which I still maintain will never happen. Um, But it should be, you know... Higher tier guys than Nate Ivaldi, and Ivaldi, when healthy, has proven to be a solid option for the Red Sox for a number of years now. But it's how often is he going to be healthy? I, I could see him going any number of places. It won't hurt too bad if he uh, if he goes. I like I said, I'd like to see him back as a middle rotation guy. But hey, you know, thank you for your six shutout innings in the World Series in relief, a Red Sox legend. And uh, there'll be a nice tribute video for you when you come back to Fenway.
0: Uh, before Cody gives his take, the winter meetings actually do start Sunday. So you were pretty close, Mark. Yeah. Uh, and then they uh, go through Wednesday, December 7th. And the the last two days of the meetings are the hot and heavy days. If, if an epic thing is going to happen, it's usually one of mm-hmm. those two. So um, that's going to be a busy Twitter day. And uh, thankfully, Twitter is uh, alive and well. <laughs> you know, we thought the end of the world was uh, a week before last. But go ahead, Cody. Thoughts on Evaldi? I
1: mean, Danny, back to when he when we got him the first time, I was, I was skeptical at best, right? He was always, you know, top of the line starter kind of quality stuff, but he couldn't stay on the mound. You know, he's a guy that could blow 100, get Tommy John and still throw triple digits, which is unheard of. And we've gotten great production, you know, looking back at his contract and and what we've gotten from it. I, you know, I think it's been one of those rare, um, neither side aged poorly, but uh, you know, kind of looking forward. If he signs here, great. You know, him rejecting the qualifying offer makes sense for him. This is probably his last chance of getting, you know, a deal that he can um, live off uh, for the remainder of, of, you know, whatever his days are. But I, I don't like being one of the teams that tries to make the first move in the off season, right? You end up kind of setting the market or setting the tone and potentially overpaying for guys. And, you know, with Rodon, with other starters out there that I think would look a little bit better in, in a Red Sox uniform, I don't, I don't want to rush to the, to the free agent pool and, and try to sign a guy just because we have some nostalgia or we have some warm feelings. You know, we've kind of done that once already with Evaldi um, coming off that great 18 performance and we've gotten a couple of good years and a couple of not so great years. So, you know, if he signs here, great, you know, we'd love to have him back in the rotation just because that's, that's a guy that can eat innings that, you know, you can count on uh, once every five days that can actually, you know, get outs at a reasonable clip. Um, but if he goes away and signs somewhere else, happy for him, you know, just so long as it isn't, you know, a one year $10 million deal or something like that, where we're like, well, wait a second, why couldn't we get him for that? Um You know, love the guy. He was great for his time here in Boston. But, you know, we got to be smart with what we have.
0: Well, as the audience knows, I am the lone guy on the crew. That is a hardcore no on Evaldi. I mean, 2021 was really the only saving grace for that four-year deal. He was injured for the majority of 2019. 2020, I mean, we weren't competitive either way. He did manage to go on the injured list with an ankle issue of all things. 2021, he was he was very good. And then, of course, this year, uh, good for the first couple of months and then injured after that, uh, never really got going again. Uh, you know, the qualifying offer wouldn't have bothered me a ton. A multi-year deal scares me because we've got two guys on this pitching staff that are chronically broken, Chris sale and James Paxton. I just, how injured do we want to be, you know, for, for a second year in a row. And, you know, if if those two guys weren't on there, I'd, I'd be more apt to say, all right, Evaldi, maybe on a two year deal. Maybe if we overpaid a little bit, maybe I can live with the short term uh, aspect of that. But, um, I just, there's just too many red flags for me, and I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> I'm outnumbered 4-1 to one, uh, on the crew, and that that's fine. But uh, it looks like he is signing elsewhere, though. Like, are you guys fairly confident that that's the current vibe? Or do you think the Red Sox are going to be willing to outbid another team? His market will basically not materialize for the Red Sox to come in with a winning bid, I think.
2: Yeah, I I expect him to sign sign elsewhere. Um, I think if he was planning on staying here, he would have taken the qualifying offer um, just because I don't know how much more than that he's going to get a season. Uh, so even, you know, if he's looking for a multi-year deal, like, I, I think it would have made more sense for him to be like, all right, take this, prove that I can stay healthy and still be an effective pitcher in this league, then sign, you know, three years somewhere, you know for 60 million or whatever his market would be next off season. So I I think him not accepting the qualifying offer was basically saying, yeah, I'm probably out of here. If like Cody said, if if someone signs him for one year, 10 million, I'm going to be livid. Like I'm going to be very upset, but he'll get more than that. And good for him. But I don't expect to see him back in a Red Sox uniform.
1: We haven't even heard any buzz of like, oh, you know, the two sides are engaged in talks, or you know, they want to make a deal happen, like you hear with with so many other you know free agents or, or potential signings. So I, I do I do think he's out of here as well.
0: That's the vibe I get. Um, interestingly, we did talk about this uh, when it happened one or two shows ago, but Tyler Anderson declined the qualifying offer and then took a three year, thirty nine million dollar deal so he's getting significantly less annually it, it averages out to be 13 per year so he's taken a, a six million dollar pay cut in the first year but it was just it, it was pretty much that third year that signed it for him sealed it for him i should say and um you know a guy like him this is his only shot really to to make big money um Real quick, I don't know how relevant this is, but since we're freestyling, the Mets had just a a pretty good shakeup here with their coaching staff. So Eric Chavez is going to be the new bench coach. And I'm looking down through here. um, Which one is, I don't know the first name of Barnes. Barnes. Jeremy Barnes um, yeah. is going to be the hitting coach. So basically it's more of uh, rotating guys at this point uh, because that's where Chavez was. So is that a Showalter thing or is that an organizational thing? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Uh, Chavez the past couple of years has been a hot name
2: for manager uh, of a team. He's, I know he's been thrown around there a few times. He was thrown around uh, before the A's hired Mar, uh, Mark Kotze. because obviously Eric Chavez, kind of a legend out there in Oakland um, for what he did playing third for them. Uh, but, yeah, that's interesting. I think this means that Chavez is probably looking to become a manager in the next couple of years, you know, heard his name thrown out there a few times. It, it's certainly interesting, and I, I like the guy. He seems to know what he's talking about. Uh, I believe he was the hitting coach for the Yankees at one point as well a couple years ago or assistant hitting instructor or something. He was on the Yankees staff. Um, But
0: he, uh,
2: I like Eric Travis. I think he's a fairly smart guy. I think this is basically, you know, all right, he wants to be a manager. Let's give him this promotion. And clearly Buck must trust him and the players must like him. So an interesting move by the Mets. Maybe get a little more stability in that clubhouse. I know, In recent years, there have been a couple of incidents there. So uh, maybe just looking for a little bit more of that.
0: Glenn Sherlock was the bench coach last year, and apparently he's going to take on a new role uh, focusing on the team's catchers and uh, working on game calling specifically to uh, prevent the... Um, opposition from stealing. So I I don't know where... The Mets must not have been great with holding base runners last year. So they did have Ottavino on the team who has the slowest delivery in Major League Baseball. It's an automatic steal, uh, which is something I don't miss about him, but he did have a a phenomenal year with them. Yeah, okay. Uh, So finally, uh, Xander Bogarts is the hottest name on the free agent market right now. And I know Aaron judge has met with the giants and, uh, we'll probably meet with the Dodgers at some point, but, um, every, well, not everybody, but a lot of teams are connected to him. Uh, the Padres is the recent, uh, name that has come up. That's interesting because does Tatis go to the outfield at that point? I guess he would have to, uh, he's, he's a terrible shortstop anyway, so you may as well. um, and who else? The Twins have said he's their backup plan if they don't get Correa. Correa has been offered uh, as many as 10 years, I guess, on cheaper cheaper salary and then has like six- and eight-year offers from the Twins at, at bigger money. So uh, they haven't been able to lock down Correa yet, but I'm willing to bet if they're willing to offer Correa 10 years Whatever their bid is for Xander Bogarts, it's going to be way more than what the Red Sox offer. Uh, At least that's what I'm guessing. But uh, are, are you guys, I guess I'll frame it this way. Are you guys more confident or less confident that he comes back?
1: I'm less confident. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't be the most upset about it either. You know, much like we said with Avaldi, if another team wants to come in over the top, give them seven two ten or seven, 200 plus. Um, thanks. Thanks for all that you've done for the organization. You've been a pillar. You've been, you know, stability when we needed it at the, at the most times. You've been there for the highs and you've been there for the lows, but you're on the wrong side of 30. I don't want to give you that long of a deal at that much AAV. Um, you know, there are some concerning peripherals to, to your game. Um, you know, could we flip you a story and put you on at second or, you know, maybe DH you on certain days. Sure. But it really just kind of hamstrings where this organization is going to be moving forward. If we have 30 million tied to, to an aging shortstop. Um now, you know, if Devers is like, hey, you guys gave me a good offer, but you didn't give my guy Xander an offer, I'm out of the door, then that, you know, is kind of a caveat that gets a little bit messier. But, you know, I, I think the number was what, like 6-168 was floated out um, as the the original prediction for what Xander was going to sign at. And, you know, if he's willing to take that from, from Boston, would love to see him on that deal. Um, but, you know, I think another team that's a little bit more shortstop uh, needy or shortstop hungry or star craved is is going to come in and, and kind of outbid us which that's the way baseball is unfortunately
2: the twins thinking they have a chance to re-sign Carlos Correa is absolutely hilarious to me there's no way that dude goes back to Minnesota <laughs> I mean the way things ended there with the whole like you know I'm like walking into a Dior store I, you know I, I'm the attraction like Shut up, dude. I I don't think they really like him in Minnesota. If they listen, if they sign him, that's amazing and one of the most shocking moves this offseason we'll see. I don't care if Aaron Judge signs with the Pirates. I'd probably be more surprised with Correa signing with the Twins. Um, but I'm honestly, I, it my opinion hasn't really changed. Like I I'm still like, yeah, I could see him coming back. I could see him leaving. I'm still very. You know, in the middle on that, and I've started to lean more towards, you know, I think he's going to come back, and maybe it's just blind optimism. It's just, I don't know, this early on, we're we're not even to the winter meetings. Like, so much stuff could happen. Maybe he meets with one of these teams and just hates everything. You know, he he meets with the the twins, let's say, and he's like, I've spent my entire career in Boston. Do I really want to go to Minneapolis? Like you know, there, there's so many factors that you know haven't even been in play yet. That it, it really hasn't. My opinion hasn't really changed on it yet. I think the Red Sox will be in the discussions. I don't think they're gonna just let this one go. This seems like a move where they'd be, at least try to be in it. So I, I I'm still I'm still cautiously optimistic about Xander coming back. And if it's for seven and two hundred, I'm fine with that. I, I don't love it. And trust me, I don't love it, but I'm fine with it. Like it's just that's the way the market is. That's the way the shortstop market. Corey Seeger, a man who's played like two and a half full seasons like due to injury, signed for ten years and three hundred and twenty five
0: million dollars last year. <laughs> that was I mean, like, we thought we thought that was gonna happen with a few of them though, I think. And well, yeah, but that's just the way it is. So, you know, is Corey
2: Seeger that much better than Xander Bogarts? I know he's younger. Is he that much better than Xander Bogarts is right now? I don't know about that.
0: I would say yes, as a defender, an elite defender doesn't it, appear to be breaking down.
2: Xander just had his best defensive season, and you guys act like he's Tatis. It's unbelievable. He just had the best defensive season of his career. I know he's on the wrong side of 30 because he's 30, and apparently it, you're, you know, you're taken out to the woodshed once that, you know you get the 3-0 on your birthday cake. But it's just like, for a guy like this, are we really upset about seven years? And I also hate the idea of moving him to second base just because Trevor Story cannot throw a baseball. He well. can't. There's a reason he doesn't play shortstop anymore. He does not have a healthy enough arm to throw a baseball.
0: I'm trying to find... I think another difference here in Correa versus Xander is the postseason batting. Why? can't Oh, here it is. Um, Correa has just been a beast in the postseason. He's got 18 home runs. Yeah, I don't post even Correa has like
2: I, the I second most postseason home runs of all time or
0: something to Bregman then. Cause he's, uh, up there, but, um, but Correa is just better from start to finish, you know, Xander, not a huge second half guy. And I just, you know, he doesn't thump his chest like Correa does. And I don't even like Correa either, you know, but I just think he's, he's just better. I feel like. And I think if the twins are willing to give him a 10 year deal, there's motivation there, whether they have a shot, like you said, I don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, if they offer him three twenty, does he take it?
1: He'd be silly not to. I think he's talking himself out of money at this point. The more he talks, the less teams are going to be willing to, to do the dance with them.
0: Maybe, maybe, uh, We'll see. There's also Trey Turner out there. But getting back to Bogarts, I think the reason he's the hottest name is I think teams really do see him as the best value. He should be cheaper than Trey Turner, and he should definitely be cheaper than Carlos Correa. I think the winter meetings are on uh, Sunday. I think there's a good chance that Bogarts is the first major shortstop off the board by probably late next week, I think he's going to be the first one to go. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to win the bidding war for him.
2: Someone's going to get Dansby Swanson for like six years and $120 and I'm going to be so upset. (laughs) Yeah, that could happen. He's he's going to take a Braves contract with a team that isn't the Braves, where someone just holds a gun to his head and says, no, you're signing for $8 an hour. (laughs) And... Danesby Swanson's the best value. It's amazing how like he's easily the best value on this market because he's going to be so much cheaper than the other three. He's the youngest and he's coming off two of the most or the two most productive seasons of his career. He's the best defender out of the three. It's like blows
0: my mind
2: that he's going to get $20 million a year and every other team is just going to look like a sucker.
0: For some reason, I mean, you're right. And he doesn't. He doesn't have the, the swag. I just pulled up the wrong Swanson. Eric Swanson, I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing in a Mariners hat? Um, but, I mean, he was a late bloomer, though. Uh, he came on kind of late the last couple of years, and I think that hurts him a little bit. And, I mean, I want to say, I, I love using the term prestige value. That's a Scott Boris-ism and you would think Swanson would have it, um, you know, being a part of that 2021 championship team. But he was such a small part of that team. When you look at guys like Acuna and Freeman, I mean, their shadows just like big time cast over him. Acuna so didn't play. I think in the world series.
2: Yeah, Acuna was hurt.
0: Oh, my bad. oh they did lose him. I'm sorry. Yeah. you right. Yeah. Because they went and got Peterson and uh, Solaire. My bad. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, he was kind of, I don't know, he just wasn't, you know, one of the more, I can't even find the word for it. I want to say visible, but that would be a terrible uh, way to put it.
2: I think that's more so just shame on baseball fans for not realizing how good this former number one overall pick and college World Series champion at Vanderbilt is. The, the guy's been a stud for a decade. And I know he had some rough years when he first came up. He was, he was traded before even playing a game for the Diamondbacks. There were some questions around that. Why, did the, why were the Diamondbacks so willing to trade a guy that they drafted first overall? I, I know there were questions around him but he's always been an excellent defender and finally the bad has come around and people are like, it's a two and a half year fluke.
0: Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, he, he's a little bit of a late bloomer, so I I don't know how bad that, that hurts him, but uh, 20, I mean, he had a pretty good walk year, hit 25 dingers, uh, drove in 96, Mm -hmm. uh, his OBP. I think he'd probably like to see that a little bit higher, only three twenty nine, but still a very robust guy and is he the best defender of that? Well, I don't know. Is he?
2: It's between him and Correa. Yeah. Correa's got the stronger arm, but uh, Dansby's got better range.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: I would say all around Dansby is a better defender.
0: Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it sounds like a blue move, right? A little bit it's of a lateral. I would love that. I would <laughs> love that Dansby Swanson in a Red Sox uniform. I guess I probably wouldn't hate it either to be honest, but um, Xander, I just feel like he's got what maybe two or three really good years left, and then it's like, where do you hide him after that? So, does every guy that signs a seven year deal? Uh, I just feel like <laughs> I, I think Xander knew it was his walk year, focused really hard on defense, and once he gets his money, he's probably going to revert a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be the worst defender, you know, of all the shortstops, certainly not as bad as Tatis, but. Um, I just don't, I just feel like there's going to be some remorse on that one. It's just how,
2: it's just how the business works, man. Like it, 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 at what point do you just have to accept every long-term deal is bad the last three years? Max Scherzer is the only one that worked out for all seven
0: years. Yeah. I mean, JD worked out pretty good for five, but, um, and the last year was
2: not good. And that was a five-year deal. And there was still like, the last one was still like, eh, like it's every long-term deal. I don't even really consider five-year deals to be long-term deals. I'm thinking like six, seven plus years. That's true. They never work out at the end, but it's just the way the market works. It's the way the market has worked since Mike Hampton signed a ridiculous deal with the Colorado Rockies. Like it's, you, you just got to accept it, and maybe that's just me being like, you know, the guy that's seen you know every bad deal work out. I mean, it, the Mariners gave Robinson Cano a ten-year deal. Like they never work, but it's what gets the job done.
0: I don't disagree with that. I mean, you got to. You got to extend them early, you know, to make it work. Devers, though, only 26. So I think that one could work out better than most. And apparently the gap is narrowing um, between him and the Red Sox. There's this Hispanic writer. I don't know if he's ba- – I think he might be based out of the Dominican. And he says they they might only be about $50 million apart at this point. So – um, continuing dialogue between them. And I'm, um, I'm a little bit more optimistic there, but we'll, we'll get into him another show, but that, that could be a, a, a signing that, that happens quick. Uh, Cody, any final thoughts?
1: No, I'm good here.
0: Mark. Nope. I'm good. Okay. Wow. Hour and 15. We, we blew past that. <laughs> It was 47 minutes the last time I checked. I thought we might be a little over an hour. I've but said
2: it a million times. It is impossible for me to be on a show less than an hour.
0: It doesn't happen. That's fine. I mean, we haven't recorded since uh, last, um, I don't know, middle of last week. Charlie had these epic audio problems, too, and we just rolled with it. So we apologize for that if uh, anyone in the audience stuck that one out. Um, he thinks he'll be able to resolve that, um, by his next show. Uh, and you know, an hour and 15 minutes, we haven't had anything. So this should cover a couple of commutes. Let's see. What's today? Is it Tuesday? No, it's Monday. Wow. I'm so bad. Maybe we'll sneak on midweek if anything develops, um, um, Certainly uh, at some point uh, next week we'll be covering the winter meetings, perhaps during and and definitely after. So should be uh, a busy couple of weeks uh, for Red Sox talk. So stay tuned for that. Everybody have a good rest of your week. Take care.